heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Well, welcome to the Growth Junkies podcast. My name is Ben Bost, and across from me is Kent Delhousay, and we are back at it again. It's been a it's been a while, Kent. Have you missed us? <laughs> we have been the um, resounding no, 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 no. We've had some complaints. People are like, "Hey, when are you going to do some new episodes?" And uh, we say, "Hey, man, everybody needs a break once in a while." Exactly. So we've been on hiatus for we a little have. while. Took for a little summer, summer break. Um, but we're back. We have too many things to talk about. So it's time to get going again with the growth junkies. Yeah. So we're going to keep going and we're going to finish up the book mega life. We've been podcasting through that up until when we took our break and hitting every topic along the way. And so we're going to pick back up with that here in just a moment, but we also want to let you know that there's a lot of exciting things coming that we're going to, we're going to talk about with our audience about what's happening at Love and Transformation Institute. And uh, as we wrap up this book, there's going to be some new releases and some changes to like the four dimensions of human health and some video content coming. So just uh, be in tune, reach out to us if you have questions about the things we share with you along the way. Uh, But there's very exciting things coming here at Love and Transformation as well as uh, with the Growth Junkies podcast. Yeah, so don't forget about us. We didn't go anywhere. (laughs) No. We are still the Growth Junkies, and we're calling all Growth Junkies out there to come with us. That's right. Who who are we, Ben? We are people who are dedicated to growing and developing as human beings. Correct. We're not content staying the way that we are. We want more for ourselves. We want more for relationships. We want more for our Mm -hmm. communities. So basically, if you're interested in keeping growing and developing as a human being, you could be a growth chunky. Which is the reason why we create the resources that we do. Yeah. In particular, Mega Life, How to Live Without Fear. Mm-hmm. Fear is a huge issue. It has not gone away. It's getting Most, worse. It, yeah, it just continues to propel itself. Culture, uh-huh. uh, media, marketing, advertising, people are really struggling with this this issue in their lives. Yeah. This isn't the first time in human history it's been like this. Let's be fair about that reality. This goes around from time to time, but there are moments where it peaks. And I feel like we're experiencing one of those climax climax points around fear in people's lives of yeah. just the intensity of it, the unpre- unpredictable nature of culture and things that are happening. And that's the way people are responding. People are get, a lot of people are getting very fearful. Yeah, yeah, and I think it become obvious with all the pandemic stuff, all the political stuff, and it's coming back by the way, another political year, which is going to be interesting. Sure. <clears throat> There's issues with uh, wars. I mean, Ukraine is still an issue, and Russia are at war. Right, they're still at war. This is so interesting. You bring this up because when it all started, it was every day talking about it at the forefront of news channels and social media and online news and everything. I don't know about you, but until you just mentioned it right now, I probably haven't thought about the war in Ukraine for maybe two weeks. And you know what? I have a theory about that. I think our brains can only handle so much. I think we have enough going on in our world and our lives that actually it's like our brain knows when to sort of shut things out. I don't have the bandwidth to think about all the problems in the world, Mm -hmm. but the moment we do to make a list of all the things in the world, I don't know about you, but I get anxious. (laughs) 
I'm like, wow, there's a lot of stuff happening. A lot of bad things are happening in the world and I get more fearful. So here's the thing. Um, if I experience fear and you experience fear mm-hmm. and we're growth junkies, mm-hmm. I expect everybody experiences fear. There are two kinds of people, Ben, those who admit they're afraid and those who lie about it. <laughs> I guess that's true. It's true. So just yeah. own up to it and say, yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of all the things that could happen, all the things that maybe that won't happen. We are in prisons and these emotional prisons are the fear that holds us. So we dedicated an entire book to this issue yeah. because fear is a fundamental issue for people today. Yeah. So people could strategically deal with their relationship to fear. That's the yeah. purpose of Mega Life, the yep. book is to not uh, shed any of the the predominant discussions that need to happen around a topic like that, but to mm-hmm. actually have those discussions yeah, and to work through them, all the connectedness and the things that relate to fear. Go back to go back to Ukraine again real quick. I've also noticed, though, too, it's not being reported in the news very much anymore. No. I've, I watch the news almost every night and they're not talking about it. And so it's gone to the background. Yeah. But you don't know why that is? Because it's been established that there's a three-week news cycle. That anything in the news tends to run for three weeks. Then people get bored and tired of that story and they move on to something else. And the thing is with media, you know, is that they're always looking for the next thing. Right. So even though Ukraine is still happening and it's a crisis and it should be a big issue, Mm -hmm. uh, the media moves on because people are bored of that and they want to talk about the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, life is so full of crises that there's more things to talk about. Ukraine is not the only crisis in the world right now. There are new crises. Hey, Queen Elizabeth just died. Right. Everyone's talking about that now. And then in two weeks, there'll be something else that comes up and the subject will change again. And the key here is that there's always going to be a crisis that's going to make us shudder. And there's some people who are in crisis right now because their NFL team is 0-2. (laughs) Yeah, not mine. (laughs) Are the Pittsburgh Steelers 0-2, Ben? No, we're 1-1. Okay. Um, it was pretty sad showing yesterday against the Patriots. I know. At home, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and my Cardinals actually pulled one out. I, I I love and I hate the Cardinals. They are the cardiac <laughs> cards for a reason. I want to hate them because they drive me crazy, yeah. but they pulled off an amazing victory Pretty yesterday. amazing win yesterday. Yeah. But there are people who are in crisis over the, the fact yeah. that their football team ha- is not off to a good start. Yeah. And normally, <laughs> normally <laughs> your football team not doing well is just an indication of other issues in your life. <laughs> <laughs> if your football team not winning is going to send you over the edge, it's probably because you're already having issues. We should have a conversation, right? Yeah. So we're going to move forward uh, in Mega Life to uh, a topic that is very interesting, something mm-hmm. that I think if you're listening, you will find intriguing, and, and it is an, an aspect of our world that we all deal with. And this is, uh, we have a relationship to it, we encounter it in life, we feel the pressures of it. And that's perfectionism. Perfectionism. Yeah. That is a big one. I definitely have uh, a history with perfectionism. It started very, very young with a variety of aspects of my life, but I will go uh, in particular to competitive sport. And specifically the sport that I ended up playing at a high level, which was golf. Golf is not a game of perfect. And that's what I think most people, okay, yeah, like there's nothing that's a a game of perfect. But like golf, very much, the winner in golf is the one who misses it the best. Yeah, the one who is the most perfect. (laughs) Yeah, whoever misses it the best wins. Yeah. 
Here's the problem, though. You run into a lot of competitive golfers. They are highly perfectionistic. Yeah. Is there something in the personality of competitive golfers you've seen? I think in competitive athletics as a whole. Yeah. Uh, but there's a particular brand of it inside of golf, like an, an obsessiveness with certain things that, um, at least in my experience, maybe I'm speaking about myself only. Uh, but I've observed it in others, so I don't want to speak for them. I'll just say I've made observations. How does yeah. that sound? And for a guy like me who didn't play professional sports or you know get to that level, um, I grew up in a home that was probably not atypical in which there are expectations you know, on us as kids. Part of it's because I grew up the son of a pastor. And so I grew up in a church environment with a, in a large church where all these eyeballs are on you all the time and the pressures are always there. Mm-hmm. And there was a certain expectation for me to perform. For me to be perfect. I can't tell you the times I heard people like comment on like, well, you know, the pastor's kids should be doing X, Y, and Z. And if they can maintain some kind of persona. Oh, yeah. There's an image. Facade or whatever. Yes. You have to play the role and you have to look the part. And it's, it's, it's so much pressure on young kids. And so I grew up in that fishbowl. And it did a number on me. So I grew up as a perfectionist. Like I, I had to do everything just right because I felt like I was going to be judged. Now, I don't know if that's the experience of everybody, but I suspect a lot of us grew up in homes where our sort of value was tied to how well we performed, Mm -hmm. how well we did in our duties at home, our responsibilities and in how, uh, how good of a kid we were in our, in our families, um, how we cut our hair what kind of clothes we wore, how we talked. I mean, we were judged and evaluated in every way. And there's a pressure on kids to be perfect. And I think a lot of us struggle with this. So whether you're a a professional athlete or whether you're just grown up in a normal home, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who have said perfectionism is a problem for me. Well, I think what you're highlighting is the various ways that this can insert itself Mm -hmm. into our lives. I had an encounter with athletic perfectionism. Mm. You're talking about perfectionism that maybe comes more tied to family of origin and societal expectations. Yes. Yeah. The reality is, is this is a aspect of culture, a, whether it's a, you call it a mindset or a framework for living that tends to place itself on, on top of layers into our experience. Yeah. And we all encounter it in some way, shape, or form. Well, I mean, keep encountering it. This doesn't just stop in maybe homes we grew up in. This is true of our jobs. Mm-hmm. You go into a job and you're expected to perform. You're compensated accordingly. And if you don't perform, what happens? You get fired. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything around us says that you have to perform. And if you're not good at performing and you're not producing and being perfect, then you're going to lose out. You're going to struggle. So there's immense pressure. It's like, it's like a boiling pressure that we live in Mm -hmm. and we never escape it. And I think it takes a toll. And and there's a particular brand of perfectionism that is unique to different cultures. But for us in the, in the United States, in the West, Mm -hmm. there is a a type or, or sort of way that perfectionism, perfectionism feels to us. Sure. The way I've been joking about it recently is like burnout's a badge of honor. Yeah. Like no, you're not you're not supposed to sleep, never get any rest. You work 24/7, 365. Yep. yep. And and it's like the person who sleeps the least and and produces the most wins. Yeah. And this is completely and entirely unhealthy. Oh yeah, it's all, not only that, it's the person who looks the best. I mean, magazines, TV shows, movies continue to show us what we're supposed to be. 
And you look at that and you always compare yourself to it and we're always falling short. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's like this model image of what we're supposed to be. You got to live in this kind of house. You got to drive this kind of car. You got to have this much money in the bank. You got to take these kinds of vacations. You got to have these kinds of friends. You got to have this much on your social media platform. There's so much expected of us. Mm-hmm. And we're always feeling like we're coming up short. And the reality is people don't look like that. They don't. You see people in the magazines, you're like, first of all, they're lying to you because they're all airbrushed anyway. But that's not how people are. So we're always looking around and always feeling like we're coming up short. So perfectionism is not just performance. It's also how we look, how we talk, how we feel, how we measure up against other people. I feel like we're always being critically evaluated. And no, it's never good enough. It's never good enough. You got to be better. You got to do better. And it's, it sells. It does. This is the thing. The two most power, two of the most powerful things that sell are fear mm-hmm. and dissatisfaction. Yeah, we talk about that. Those things are weaponized in the attention economy. Yeah, but but the reality is that these things are marketed to you. Yeah. You, you need to look better. Aren't you dissatisfied with your appearance? If you buy this certain whatever yep. it is, yep. everything will be fixed. Stick this stuff in your eyebrows. You'll look pretty. <laughs> you know, wear these clothes and you'll be more handsome. Yeah. Have this cologne and you'll be more attractive. Exactly. There's all of these things that get yeah. constantly promoted to us. And so here's what we're going to do today. And we want all of you growth junkies out there and anyone who might uh, profess to be one. Or if you're exploring be if you're exploring growth junkieism and and thinking about becoming one, we want to give you permission to do something today. We want to give you permission to reject perfectionism. Yeah. Put it to its death in your life, set it aside. And when you do, what it gets replaced with is a very, very healthy way of seeing how to grow and progress and develop skills in your life. Yep. You, you start to put aside this evaluative uh, piece or these metrics that get slapped on us from different angles, and you start to be able to see growth and progress in a healthy way. Yeah, it's not about arriving. You know, like I'm going to get to some ideal, mm-hmm. but rather than perfection or arriving at some ideal destination, it's about getting better. It's about growing. It's about developing. It's about being better today than, you know, than I was yesterday. Right. It's about being deeper you know, being more aware, uh, being more strong in areas I'm gifted, being more relationally connected. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's about growth and growth is not the same thing as arriving at some ridiculous destination. That's impossible. Right. Cause one of the things we're going to say here today, and we need to talk about is that perfectionism always makes you feel like a failure. You're never going to get it. You're never going to, it's like a goal that keeps getting moved. It's like, it actually has no room for growth. There's no room because there's actually no space for going somewhere with perfectionism. It's only, this is what you should be. Yeah. And perfectionism doesn't allow any progress. You've got to immediately become whatever it is you, you're, you want to be. And if you take any time to get there, you're failing. Mm -hmm. So growth in that economy is failure. Right. Anything short of perfection is failure. No wonder we're so fueled by fear. <laughs> Why should I even try to do anything if I don't think I can be perfect at it? Ben, I'll confess to you, this is sort of my story, and I wonder if people can relate to it, but I have memories of growing up and playing some sports. Like I remember baseball um, and tennis were two sports I played. Uh-huh. But I went out for the school team in high school, and I remember being afraid of screwing up. 
and I would go out for the, 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 the tryouts. And I was so like in my own head that I was afraid of failure. And that if I couldn't go out and catch every ball and hit every ball over the net in tennis, if I wasn't confident that I could be really good enough, I didn't even try. And I gave up. I gave up on some sports I like to play because mm. I felt like I wouldn't be good enough. And my tendency has always been like, if I know I, I'm not going to be perfect at something, I won't even try. So I think of all the things I'm afraid to try because I can't be perfect. If I had changed that perspective early on and heard mm -hmm. that you don't need to be perfect, you don't need to be great at this, just go for it and have fun and see where it leads you. Yeah. Could have changed my experience. Oh, and I think 100%. about how many of us out there are, are afraid to take it on and try something new because we think we need to be perfect at well, it. Well, that can certainly lead to that place and, and people end up there. I can totally relate to your story and it, relate from from a golf standpoint mm. this is how bad it got for me at mm. 15 years old i believed that i was not worthy of making a birdie on a hole if i didn't hit a perfect shot in the middle of the fairway mm. and a perfect second shot in the middle of the green and make the putt wow like if it was a par four and you know birdie being three yep i had to hit it in the middle of the fairway right spot on the green and roll the putt in I couldn't lace it out into the trees and, mm -mm. and chop it out up next to the green and chip it in. Wow. Which is an entire, people say, well, it's a mess of a hole. No, that's really good golf, yeah. actually. It's good recovery, right? Perfectionism was such for me that it it limited me from seeing what the potential was. And I think that's a wow. a, a really important point for people to understand is, is perfectionism actually limits you from seeing what the potential actually is. So here's eventually where I ended up as a professional driving to the course, preparing for a round. This is the conversation I would have in my head with myself. I'm going to make some bogeys today. Maybe I'm going to make some birdies today. I'm going to hit some really good shots. I'm going to hit probably some poor shots, but that's, what's going to happen out there. Yeah. And it's a matter of managing all of that mm. and moving through it and developing the skills to, you know, we talk about having the necessary character to meet the demands of reality. That is really what we're trying to do in life is develop different kinds of skills that equip us to meet demands of reality. Yeah. And, and in golf, I needed a variety of skills that came to me through experiencing all kinds of different scenarios. Yeah. I versus mean, versus only one. You know? So, so whether it's sports or life or work or whatever, I mean, I think this is important to say perfectionism is a prison. It's a prison. It actually it keeps us in our own heads. And it causes us to fill in the blank space and tell ourselves, unless you, you go push against it and say, Hey, here's the reality today. I'm not going to hit great shots. I'm going to have some good. I'm going to have some bad. Yeah. You know what that is? That's actually coaching yourself with a different kind of mentality. Rather than saying, I need to go out and be the best. I need to go out and be perfect. You're saying I need to be good enough. Yeah. It's actually coaching myself with reality. Mm. <laughs> Just perfectionism is non-reality. Yeah. And so I want to push back on a particular brand of perfectionism in our society today mm -hmm. that is being marketed to us. This is a phrase and a statement that you hear tossed around a bunch. Uh, we referenced it before on the growth junkies. Mm -hmm. I particularly do not like this statement very much at all. Um, and it is becoming the best version of yourself. Yeah. You hate that. I, I do in, in life today, the goal is to become the best version of yourself. Hmm. And best I can tell in the research, and I think we wrote this in the book, the research that I've done, who do we trace this statement back to? Hmm. Where where did it begin? Where did the, the phraseology of become the best version of yourself come from? 
Now, we may have just lost listeners <laughs> by saying no. we just did. No, they're tuning in. They're like, I, I want to hear mean, what you have I, to say. Yeah, I hope it's controversial enough for you yeah. because you like the statement and use it all the time. Yeah. Well, we're going to push back on it right now mm-hmm. for some very important reasons. Mm-hmm. But the history of it, best I can tell, is this, this phrase uh, or concept is traced back to a uh, self-help guru guy that used to be on PBS. I've watched him. A bunch of times. His name was Dr. Wayne Dyer. Oh, yes. I don't know if you remember Dr. Dyer. I do Wayne remember Dyer. Dr. Dyer, yeah. That is, best I can tell in the research that I've done, the phrase, become the best version of yourself, comes from him. Hmm. Um, maybe there's other places it's come from, but that's the, that's what I have, have found in, in looking for, trying to understand how, hmm. it, how it became so popular. Here's the major reason why becoming the best version of yourself is not a good idea. Or difficult, I should say. Mm-hmm. A challenge. How would you ever know that you were in any given moment? That is like a moving target, isn't it? Yes. Like, how do I know that the version today is really any better than the one yesterday? What if you're degrading versions? What are What are the actual indicators that yeah. are telling you that, hey, you're the best version of you right now? Yeah. And how would you know when you've had it? I mean, how do you know when you've hit the mark? And like, what happens if you lose it? That's true. So it comes and goes. It's very subjective, it seems like. So very now here's the thing I will say this and we should say this the premise underneath it is valuable I mean the idea is keep growing keep developing I mean be a better person tomorrow than you are today I'm okay with that but this concept of the best version only adds more pressure it only adds more failure because it makes you think that you got to be perfect that the best version of yourself is the only version that's acceptable Ben, what if I'm a better version of myself and not the best? (laughs) Or what if the attempts of what you think is the best version of you? Because this is the other issue with it Mm -hmm. is the only one that has an opinion on what the best version of you is, is you. That's right. Well, what if what you think is the best version of you really offends a whole lot of other people? Yeah. And they're not telling you. So the, the idea of best also is very debatable. What's the best? Right. What's best for you may not be the best thing for me, right? In this world, for me to say this is the best version of myself may not be the best version for my wife or for my kids or for my friends. And I feel like, by and large, the concept of becoming the best version of yourself is very driven by self mm. for the self. Mm. It doesn't necessarily account for other mm. individuals. Yeah. It is our own opinions of ourself and what we want. Uh, to become or what we think we need to become. Mm. And I, I will go as far as to say, in my opinion, that the reason many of us like it as a concept is we can account for things in life that we don't want to get rid of. Yeah. We want to make permission for certain types of behaviors or certain types of things we want to do. And yeah. the best version of us likes that. Sure. I mean, I've heard story. I won't even, I'm not even going to go there. I was just about to go a direction with this conversation. No bunny trails. I'm not going to go. Yeah. Um, I think the listeners get the point that yeah. this is a challenging concept because it's very nebulous and hard to define. Yeah. I think we live in a world that is constantly changing the goal, changing the destination. It's moving the goalposts back out and it's always shifting and you never really know when you've arrived. And one of the reasons this bugs us too, I think, is because one of the contentions we have in this book is that the way to overcome fear is actually not through yourself, it's through others. Mm. It's the ability to be selfless. So the answer to, to dealing with your own struggle of perfectionism is actually not 
just focusing on yourself. It's actually learning to focus on others. Yeah. That actually helps you overcome perfectionism because the more grace you can show other people, the more you're willing to manage their expectations and to collaborate and connect with others, the more grace you can receive for yourself. So this bugs us because it's really about you. It's about me. It's about me getting what I want out of life, about me being the best. Not this best best version, the best. I want to be the best. It's being the best version of self, but it's also, there's not a lot of things inside of it to help you understand if you are. And that's, I want to reiterate that, that that creates the biggest problem. And here's the reason why. If you understand what causes anxiety, to me, becoming the best version of yourself is a formula for creating more anxiety in your life. Agreed. Anxiety is caused by unpredictability. Yeah. Single greatest cause of it is that. Yep. And if becoming the best version of you is a very unpredictable process, Mm. you don't know if you ever are in any given moment. You don't know what kind of things would be better to add in or subtract. It just becomes very challenging. Then you try some things and they don't work. What do you have left if you're the sole judge? If there's nothing outside of you, something objective that you're referencing as would be good qualities or good traits or Mm -hmm. things to add in. Mm -hmm. If it's only based on your opinion, that becomes very unpredictable. Yeah. The outworkings of it, the experience and outworkings of it. And I believe it will end up causing people more anxiety. Yeah. And it does. The bottom line is this, this statement has been in society for a while. It's not helping much. (laughs) I mean, we're not seeing people suddenly feel better about themselves. They're feeling worse. Therapists are still very busy. The the, the lines are out the door. I mean, everyone I talk to is like three, four months just to get in and see a therapist. Yeah. Why? Aren't we becoming better versions of ourselves? Apparently not. Yeah. This isn't working. Right. The answer is not in having some sort of um, self-fulfilling prophecy about becoming something perfect, Mm -hmm. about looking a certain way, acting a certain way, achieving something. So let's lay off the perfectionism. This has gotten so bad, Ben, that perfectionism is no longer even enough. Now they're calling it hyper-perfectionism. And that's what I want I want us to highlight next Yeah, is where this kind of idea leads. It doesn't um, stop. Well, see, becoming the best version of yourself is a nice thought, right? See, this is the problem with our culture. We, we love to spin up all these nice ideas mm-hmm. and sentiments about things and, and make ourselves feel good. And then there's reality yeah. and how culture is actually functioning. You're talking about hyper-perfectionism. So where does this terminology come from? In in the book we reference, mm-hmm. um, some research that I found years ago, when I was actually trying to understand why is the suicide rate increasing among young people, young females, 15 to 24 years old. I think one of the most recent statistics I saw was it's the second leading cause of death. Of I saw that too. Teenagers. Yeah. Uh, why is this happening? And and the fact that I was frustrated with various articles that I was reading and the research that I was doing, that there wasn't many conclusions being drawn. And I was up late one night and I was doing some research and I, a particular article, I can still see it in my mind, and there was this link. And I clicked on this link and it took me to the American Psychological Association to this report we're going to talk about right now by Hillen Curran. It was a meta-analysis of 41,000 college students from US, UK, and Canada from 1989 to 2016. Mm. And they pulled all this information. Now, in case you're wondering, 41,000 is a huge sample size. That's a big sample, yeah. It's not some small sample size. 
when they went through and correlated all of the information that they had, they made a conclusion. It's about a seven page report that you can find online. I think the title of it is perfectionism is increasing over time Mm. is the title of the article or the report. And basically they concluded that there is a condition that exists in the next generation that has not existed in history called hyper perfectionism that has three characteristics. It's self-prescribed, it's others prescribed, and it's societally prescribed. See, I'm confounded by this. And the reason why we were even talking off air about this is perfectionism. How do you get better than perfect? (laughs) How can you have hyper-perfectionism? That seems absurd to me. It's enough pressure to be perfect, but hyper-perfectionism? Does that mean you're perfect in every way, in every category of your life? Well, see, perfectionism isn't, isn't an end. It's an approach. It's a way, it's a mindset. It's a way in which you think about life and how life is supposed to function, right? Uh, It's not the end goal. So that's the difference, right? To be perfect, if you actually were perfect, that's a real thing. It's like an end goal, which we're we're not. Mm. Perfectionism is an approach. So it's hyper way of living life. So hyper-perfectionism is an over way of living. Yes. You're actually fixated. You're completely consumed. You're obsessed. Yeah. Perfectionism is being driven by the desire to be perfect. Mm. And some people can have that to a certain degree. Hyper-perfectionism would be really being driven by the desire to be perfect. Yeah. That's everything. Yes. You wake up every day and you think about what can I do to be the most perfect? Yeah. And I think a lot of it's subtle and subconscious. I think it's woven into the fabric of society and culture in so many ways now that it's just in the water that we drink. Yeah, it's the Kool-Aid that we all drink. Yeah, Kool-Aid. There's it, it's just everyone, I, I think it's a subtle underlying pressure that we all feel to that we're never good enough. It's never enough. And one of the things that we've talked about before that I, I would like to throw out there is there's a different mentality that actually pushes back on this and says that sometimes good enough is good enough. Mm-hmm. Good enough flies in the face of perfectionism to actually say, like, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to put my energy effort into this. I am going to be committed to this. I'm going to do all that I can to be successful, but I don't control outcomes. And there are things beyond my control and I'm okay with it. And there's a point where I can say enough is enough. Good enough is good enough. Yeah. That's a better way of living. And I feel like it, it, it flies in the face of this hyper-perfectionism. And to be fair, while you were, while you were referencing that, I, I looked up the definition of perfectionism. And in psychology, perfectionism is a broad personality style characterized by a person's concern with striving or flawlessness mm. and perfection and is accompanied by critical self-evaluations and concerns regarding others' evaluations. See, there's a concept that maybe we've referenced before that fits in here based on that definition. Mm -hmm. It's called the voice of the judge. (laughs) You know, it's that voice inside that is meaner to us than we'd ever be to anybody else. I think perfectionism, what's really dangerous about it is the way that it leads us to, to be mean to ourselves. You're so stupid. You're not good enough. Nobody likes you. You're never gonna arrive. You're never gonna make it. I think some of the things we say to ourselves are just downright awful. And so we we would never treat other people the way we treat ourselves sometimes. But perfectionism drives self-criticism. 
And so you're always telling yourself, I'm a failure. I'm always, I'm a failure. I'll never be good enough. And no wonder we find ourselves in this place of mental crisis. Mm -hmm. When you keep repeating those records and those are the things you're playing in your mind over and over again, guess, guess who the person is you're going to believe the most? Yourself. And especially when we actually understand what are the things, because we talk about in the book, for fear to leave, it's got to be displaced. Yeah. It's got to be pushed out. Yeah. And so the fear that comes from perfectionism has to be displaced in our life by something else. Right. So what actually drives perfectionism out? I mean, this would be really important for us to, to land, I guess, yes. land the plane at this yeah. place is, is like, how do we move this out of our life? If you choose to reject perfectionism, what is actually going to push it out? Because here's the issue we face today. You have a lot of perfectionistic, a lot of striving perfectionistic people running around and it's all driven by self for the self defined by self. There's no structures larger or bigger outside of self helping to bring worth and value. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why we believe love is the greatest thing that displaces fear is because when we are fully loved and where we have those kind of solid, stable relationships that we can depend on, mm -hmm. you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. You're loved and accepted. We've talked about this before on the podcast that w you don't give yourself, you don't ascribe worth and value to yourself. Nothing does that. Mm -hmm. It's ascribed to us from the outside. Yep. And when you understand that you're fully loved, that you're worthy, that you're valuable intrinsically, because say you're a human being and every human being has dignity, worth and value, that really helps with perfectionism. Yeah. And, and I want to, I just want to kind of throw this out there. I'm going to invoke a biblical reference here, but you know, this whole great commandment thing that we talk a lot about, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor, love yourself. I feel like that's the answer to this problem is the ability to receive love from your creator and say, you know what? He loves me the way I am. You know, he's accepted me. I'm good enough Yeah. to accept that and be okay with that is freedom. And then secondly, to have people in your life that love you and receive that love from them and say, they love me for who I am. I don't feel like I need to perform to receive that love. Mm -hmm. Then that gives you security. But that last one is hard. Mm -hmm. Loving yourself. Yeah. I think that's where we break down a lot is that we honestly can have a good understanding of that we're loved by God. We're loved by our family and our friends. But we don't love ourselves. Yeah. Because we're never good enough. Appropriate way, right? In a, in a yes. healthy sort of way. And the great part is when these things are true in your life and they they weave themselves into your mindset and they become true of you, we, we write this statement on page 277 that a healthy view of self without perfectionism allows you to view yourself as valuable where you are now and therefore approach continued development with the right perspective. It gives you the freedom to pursue life and your needs in a healthy way because your view is realistic. Yes. It frees you up to be able to try in a healthy way. Yeah. And that is fantastic. It's it's not it's not do or die. Mm -hmm. You you can experiment. You can try to develop new skills and and different things. I'm finding in my life today that uh, mm -hmm. I really really like trying new things and attempting to do things that I never would hmm. experiment with before because there's nothing really riding on it necessarily. I'm, I'm not trying to prove anything. To you got nothing to lose. Yeah. yeah, there isn't anything to lose. Yeah, uh, There's only something to be gained, a new skill, a different perspective. And there's a lot freeing about that in life. It, it really makes life much more enjoyable than thinking, I got to get this right all the time in yeah. a very particular way. Yeah, what if you said, I, I want to do this. I don't have to be perfect at it. 
I don't have to be the best at it. I just want to do it because I would enjoy it. What would, what kind of freedom would you have in life if you accepted that? So there are some specific things you can do here. And we talked about them. Number one, silence the voice of the judge. Mm -hmm. That voice that keeps telling you that you're stupid and you're not good enough and you're a failure. Silence that voice. Secondly, embrace a good enough is good enough mentality. Yeah. It's actually really good to, to embrace good enough <laughs> and not have to be great at everything. Yeah. Good enough. And then third, have an appropriate love for yourself to be able to understand that you're okay, that you are accepted yeah. and you're acceptable, that you are, your worth is not tied to how good you are at what you do or how great you can accomplish things. That your worth is completely tied into the fact that you're simply a human being who has d dignity and worth tied into the fact that you're human. And the more that takes root in your life, the easier it becomes to deal with perfectionism. Yes. So that will displace it. Mm -hmm. And so we hope that this was a valuable conversation for you about perfectionism. We're, our encouragement to you is to reject it in your life to step back, to look at it, to find those places that can bring you worth and value, that, that can tell you truly who you are, that you're loved and that you're valuable outside of yourself, that you don't have to go striving and trying to achieve it all the time and perform. So we hope that this has been yep. um, the kind of conversation that will get you to think about that kind of stuff. We're gonna continue podcasting through the book Mega Life: How to Live Without Fear. If you don't have a copy of it, you can get one on Amazon. And we really do appreciate you, our listeners, uh, tuning in to this podcast. And we hope it's of great value to you. And we look forward to being with you next time. Thank you for listening to the Growth Junkies podcast. Go follow us on Instagram and Facebook to join the community and check out the Four Dimensions book on Amazon or through our website, loveandtransformation.org.